where this gets so special to me. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, to put this in context for exactly what Isaiah is teaching us here as the Holy Spirit speaks through him. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. It describes him, uh, as we talked about last week, as like the, the wonderful, the, the miraculous planner. But it also means he truly is the perfect counselor. He can tell us the exact truth we need to hear in the exact way that it needs to be presented to us. He is the wonderful counselor but he is also mighty God which reminds us that he is all powerful that there is nothing that he can't do he's 100% able to do to work to perform to outlast anything and everything he is all powerful mighty God and then he's called everlasting father uh, meaning he has no beginning he has no end he is he always has been he always will be in terms that we use in the church it's eternal so he's the everlasting father today I want us to learn specifically who Jesus is as the prince of peace and what that means to us I find this very appropriate realizing that um well, this time of season for most of us is not necessarily peaceful. Matter of fact, this can be one of the toughest times of the year for us. Um, I, I find it kind of ironic and sad, maybe even a little bit frustrating this time of year as we celebrate the very birth of the Savior. But it's also a time when we don't normally have a whole lot of peace. I, all you have to do is go to the, the news and watch it for a couple of seconds or read a newspaper for a couple of seconds and suddenly it seems like peace is gone. That's all it takes. Or maybe it's more like this. Maybe it's trying to get that perfect gift for your loved ones. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. There's only one perfect gift for them. And it's not one that you can buy. Just think about that. We go for the perfect and there's only one that is perfect. It's usually not peace for me in that. How about making meals for lots and lots of people and trying to have peace around a table with people that see each other a few times a year and just hoping that it doesn't blow up? And then we want peace out of that, right? That's not always the case. How about, you know, there's about three extremely crazy busy travel days of the year and a couple of those happen around Christmas and people will run over each other to get where they want to get to whether it's in a car or on a plane or walking through a mall it doesn't matter we will run over people and then there's that one part that we don't even think about at Christmas because we're trying to get that perfect gift and impress somebody or give them something we think they'll that will, that will truly meet the needs, about January the 20th shows up and that credit card bill shows up. And then there's anything but peace that we were trying to possess or take hold of all during Christmas. 
But I'll be honest, I don't think it's beneficial for us just to, to gripe about this reality that there's not a lot of peace at Christmas because the peace that Christ intended for us at, pizza, uh, at, at Christmas, uh, well, what he came wrapped in that awesome bundle of a child by his mom that we are unwrapping for our peace is the thing that we're not going after so much. And we get so caught up in this world that says the tree's got to be right. The clothes have got to be right. The family, the meal, the message, the, the gifts, it's all got to be just perfect. And there's only one part of it that's going to be perfect. I want us to learn what peace is and how we learn to take real steps to get real peace, even when everything around us is vying for our temp attention and maybe even stealing our joy. <clears throat> I ran across a couple of quotes that I have found extremely encouraging and helpful. And I'm going to walk through a couple of those with you as we walk through the scripture on this. John Calvin said this. He said, when we are inwardly tossed by various tempests and when Satan attempts to disturb our consciences, let us remember that Christ is the prince of peace. And that it is easy for him to quickly allay or to calm our uneasy feelings. It only comes from him. When everything else is trying to get our attentions, it only comes from Christ. That is peace. So why is he called the prince of peace? Why, why is it the prince? Who is the, who is the prince? Why is he called the prince here? Because he's called the father and he's called the counselor and he's called wonderful. But why is he called the prince? Well, a prince is a leader of people. A prince rules the people. In this case, Jesus is the leader or the prince of peace. He defines peace. He alone makes peace possible. Christ is peace. Therefore, he's the prince of peace. Number one on your outline, if you got it, I hope you'll jot these down. Uh, real peace is only available through Jesus. You can look for it through everything else in this world, but you will only find it through Jesus. I found another quote. Adrian Rogers said this. I love, I wish I could say it in his voice right now. It would be even better. But Jesus is the secret of peace, of personal peace, domestic peace, internal peace, and world peace awaits upon his coming. But friend, and that's the way he always said it, but friend, you don't have to wait till Jesus comes for you to have peace. It's available right now. For all that turmoil that's inside you that's got you eaten up and messed up and not knowing what to do and not knowing if you're going to be able to handle the holidays, that peace is available right now in Jesus. Now, how do we know that? The Bible says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And two, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, look at that, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into that place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. 
Now, see, that's a future tense that it's looking to, but it's a present reality that he's saying is here. When we put our faith in Christ, we can have peace now, right now. So with all the things in this world that scream nothing but peace, it can be challenging to really grasp with our simple minds that Jesus, who is called mighty God, which nothing gets past him, which there's nothing that he cannot do, he is all-powerful God, is actually also the Prince of Peace. I think of, of power causing some kind of warring or some kind of destruction, and there is, there is a battle going on. It's for your soul. But the Prince of Peace is fighting that battle for you and for me. The kind of peace Jesus offers is not about, though, it's not about our comfort. It's really not in this world. It's not about our comfort. It's not about an easy life. That's not where peace comes from. It's not clearly not about our national governments being at peace, at least not yet. It's about the peace that Christ offers. If you look in Romans chapter 5 and in verse 1 again, uh, knowing that being made right with God by faith, that's where we have peace with God. And now we can see and we can experience the challenges of life a little bit different because you go on in verse 3 of chapter 5 and he says this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. We can have peace there is what he's saying. For we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. In that, we can have peace. In other words, we rejoice, even when the tough stuff's going on, because we've got peace in Christ, even in the suffering. And that sounds like nothing but peace, but when suffering happens because of our faith in Jesus, Man, the Holy Spirit does something next level in us. I love the way all this kind of has lined up. Wednesday night, I had the privilege of, of being in the class with our bridge ministry. Several of them are over here, and they're kind of scattered through the church right now, and a lot of them will be here in the next service. But there were, uh, I don't remember, 20 or 22 of our young professionals and college students gathered together in a room and uh, we were talking about Shadrach, Meshach and, uh, and Abednego and the, the, the peace that came in knowing Christ while they were in one of the toughest predicaments they would ever be in and Nathan was teaching and when he was teaching he asked this question of all of our students he said when do you find that you seek God the most when do you find that you're closest to the Lord is it when everything's going exactly like you planned it, when it's all, uh, if you will, worldly, peacely, everything's in the right spot, everything's comfortable, everything's right, there's no big needs, do you find that's the spot when everything's close to Christ and you want to worship him the most? Or he asked the other side of it, is it when things are tough? Is it when things are not going well? Is it when the trials are happening, when the sufferings are ha sufferings happening? And he gave those 20 an opportunity to respond, and I think six or seven of them responded. 100% of them said, I feel closest to God when things are the hardest. Is that not true in your life? Because we kind of get 
comfortable when everything's going just right. And we think somehow we did this and we got it all right and maybe we don't need to unwrap the greatest package that's ever been in Christ. We forget the great need that we have in Christ. We, we don't go searching in the word. We don't stop to praise. We listen to whatever we want to because we're happy. And we forget where that peace comes from. So when we don't have peace, where do we go? God help me. I don't know what to do. We're seeking him. And why do we feel so close to him at that time? Because we're seeking him. You see the difference that makes in our lives? Here's the kind of peace that he's talking about in John chapter 14, verse 25 and following. The apostle John says this, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I told you. And then look what he says in verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled or fearful. Here's what I say in this number two on your outline. Real peace can happen right now. For everything that you're struggling with, for the things you can't find the answer for, real peace can happen right now, but you've got to open the gift of Christ. You've got to unwrap that gift of Christ. Real peace can happen right now. Uh, we don't have to wait for Jesus to return for this to happen. Now, there's going to be a different kind of peace that comes at that moment. Because we won't have to struggle with the sin nature that we have to fight with now. We won't have to struggle with this world that wants, us to pull, wants to pull us away from Christ. But we can experience the peace of Christ right now. And then that will last forever. And who doesn't want that? That's why our missionaries are going all over the world. See, Jesus left us, but he didn't leave us alone. He left the Holy Spirit with us and in this case he said the counselor which takes us back to last week which is that wonderful counselor think wonderful miracle working counselor as the counselor the holy spirit speaks peace into our lives when life is tough and when the sufferings are happening that counselor speaking to us even in galatians chapter 5 when paul's teaching us about what the fruit of the spirit is he tells us it begins here with love joy and what peace that's what comes from the holy spirit love joy peace one more quote that i found and i'm good at butchering names so i hope i don't butcher his names because how'd you say he doesn't have any idea how'd you say this dj i believe it's dehan here's what he said i love what he said this insight on the prince of peace god is a peacemaker who always takes the first step. Let that sink in for a second. God is the peacemaker who always takes the first step. Here's what he goes on and says about this. Jesus came as a baby, and when he grew up to manhood, he preached peace to a warring world. It was warring against him. It was warring against each other. And then in the greatest peace initiative the world has ever seen, Christ made peace between God and man by dying for our sins. My friends, that's where peace comes from. It, it's the only place you'll ever find rest. You sang it in the second song you sang. His gospel 
is peace. His gospel is peace. So here's the last thing on your outline to, to, to fill in the blank if you need it. Jesus has already taken the first step towards your peace. Jesus has already taken the first step. It's not anything that you can do. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, Paul says it like this. For God in his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. Uh, that means every person to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. You see, you look at this right here, and that's kind of the last thing you think of is peace. But you know what happened on that cross? Peace. It was while Christ's first step coming, being wrapped as a child, well, that's where peace started. That's where it started here on earth. But then it was realized in the cross of Christ as peace was given. And if you, you still don't know that kind of peace, Paul lets us know why you might not know that kind of peace when you follow on down in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 and following. He says, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies. If you don't have peace with God right now, and you don't know him, you're still his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and your actions. Verse 22, he says, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. And I tell you what, if there's nothing else in this world that can bring you peace, that is what can bring you peace. Because because of what Christ has done, when we put our faith in him, when Christ looks at us, he doesn't see the mess that's here. He sees the price that was paid there in Christ through his blood. And there's peace there. Peace is impossible when we're alienated from God. When we are still separated from him. In fact, he says we're enemies, and what a terrible place to be of God is to be an enemy because of our sin. But when we are reconciled, when we're made right with God by grace through faith in Christ on the cross, then we're made holy in his sight. That's when peace happens. Jesus has already taken not just the first step, but the step that has to happen. Our responsibility is now to trust him. If you lived in the Jewish world today, if you lived in the Jewish world in Jesus' day or even hundreds and hundreds of years prior to that and you greeted another Jew on the street, another Hebrew on the street, or said goodbye to them, they would have often used the word shalom, which means and is most easily translated peace. But there's more to that word. And when you dig into it, you realize what they're saying there is not just peaceful, easy feeling, hope you have a good day. It's bigger than that. It means also that may you be complete. May you, may you be sound-minded, but most importantly, may you be right with God. 
So when I say shalom to you, that is the desire that I have for you, that you are at peace with Almighty God. And when I leave you and I say goodbye, that that my greatest desire is that you would be at peace with Almighty God. Luke chapter 2 and verse 14 says, Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth with the, uh, to those with whom he is pleased. Peace on earth. Now, who is he pleased with? Who is God pleased with? Will he ever be pleased with me? Will he ever be pleased with you because of what we can do? And according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it's not by anything we can do, but only what Christ has done for us. It will never be through what, we can't sing well enough. (laughs) We can't do enough. We can't even preach the gospel enough to make ourselves right with God. We can't go to church enough. We can't love our parents enough. We can't love our kids enough. We can't give enough. We can't be good enough. Peace on earth to those whom God God is pleased. Who is that? It's certainly not us because we can't do it. We please God when our faith is in him alone. Then there will be peace in our souls. So peace is the harmony brought about by an individual's restoration with God that he has already taken the first step to make happen. I go back and uh, I can't date myself this far back. Some of you in this room can, but there was a movement in the 60s and the 70s of which I was either just born or a very young child in elementary school. So I didn't realize what was going on except for long hair and bell bottoms. And we had plenty of that. I think they could have used some of that material to Add a little more to some of our skinny pants today. I'm not sure. The people of the United States were looking for peace in that time. It was a symbol that became common. It was on cars. It was on shirts. It was tattoos. It was earrings. The symbol of peace. It was everywhere. It was about getting along with one another. It was about a desire for peace in governments. It was about, honestly, not wanting people to fight any longer over what was right or wrong with drugs and our sexuality. And we wanted peace with everything. We think with enough money with enough power, with enough house, with enough car, with a dream spouse, with the right job, with perfect health. If everybody would just get along, then we'd finally have peace. I think what we learned from the 60s and 70s is that all of that attempt that we had there turned into anything but peace my question for you this morning is um, are you at peace with God 
Because without that, I can promise you one thing. You will never find true peace. It will not last outside of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And the second question is this. Do I want the people that I love, the people that I know, to know the peace that I know about God? Do I want that? Do I desire that? So in a world that's full of stress and fear and anxiety and so much bad news, people need to know peace and God's peace comes from the Prince of Peace himself. Billy Graham said this. He said, my purpose in life is to help people find a personal relationship with God, which I believe comes from knowing Christ. And if you know Christ, you know that that is the truth. Billy Graham prepared a gospel track years ago as he was sharing the gospel all over the world. It was simply entitled, Steps to Peace with God. The very first line in that said this. He said, I guarantee that you can know peace with God, peace of soul, peace of mind, and joy such as you have never experienced through Christ. I had our guys put this up here just so you can look at it later today if you don't get a chance and you don't catch all this this morning. If you go to www.stepstopeace.org, it outlines all of this in such a clear, clear way. He gives four simple steps. Step number one, God's purpose. God's purpose for you is peace and life. He's got a plan for your life that you can't even imagine and God loves you and he wants you to experience peace and eternal life. It is why he came. It is John 3:16 that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That is the first step to peace with God is realizing that God's got a purpose for your life. The second step is this. The problem is our separation from God. And nobody in this room has to tell you that you are a sinner. You know it. You deal with you all the time. I deal with me all the time. And the problem is, is that God created us in his image. In his perfect, flawless image, he gave us a, a will and he gave us freedom of choice. And we choose to disobey. We choose to dishonor him and to go our own way and this separates us from God it is why we go to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 that reminds us that all have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect glory step three is God's bridge it's the way that you put the pieces together so that our sinfulness and his holiness can somehow come together it's the cross Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave and he paid the penalty for our sin and he bridged the gap between us and God. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 says it like this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. Step four is our response. is to receive Christ. It's to put your faith, to put your trust, to receive Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. John chapter 1 and verse 12 says it like this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, 
he gave the right to become children of God. You know, I don't even pretend to think that I can make anyone do anything. Because if I could make anyone do anything, I would make you do this. I would make you put your faith in Christ. Because there's a package on the table. But you have to unwrap it. You have to say that I cannot do this and I have to have Christ. And I'm just telling you, it changes Christmas when you realize what it's truly about. Do you have peace with God? If you don't today, it's time to take that step. If you have peace with Christ and you're keeping it to yourself and you actually love the people who are around you and you don't want to see them separated from God for eternity, you want them to know that peace as well. It means you got to talk about it and then leave it in the hands of Christ to do the changing of their lives. You can't change anybody. You can just tell them what Christ has done in your life. As quietly as you can, I want you to stand where you are. I want you to not move around for just a minute. I'm going to ask Drew to come and to join me. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit, the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace, the almighty God who can do this, everlasting father, the one who can make this happen. If you've never trusted him, this is that moment that that needs to happen. If you just need to lay some stuff at the altar, that's what this altar's for. If you got stuff you're dealing with, you need to talk to me, you need to talk to Drew, you got a friend in here you need to go talk to. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Just be obedient. Father, there is a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. I know that it's you. You're where peace comes from. For some of us in this moment, we're experiencing peace like we haven't known all week long, and we praise you for it. And we know ultimately it comes from you. Help us. May we trust you right now. In Jesus' name.